0: Podcast is part of the Sports Network.
1: It is Friday night, Liverpool. It is the Anfield Rap. John Gibbons, how Friday night are you feeling? Uh, possibly too much. Uh, I think it's fair to say that you and I had a nice time last night. <laughs> possibly too much. We started
2: early. Last night was very drink.
1: It was, it was it was ridiculously drink at Liverpool. We want you to know that me and John have warmed the gaff up. We've given it a stretch. We've had a walk around. It's You know, it's 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 gone through its paces. We did and, it so you don't have to. Yeah, we did it so you don't have to. We, to honestly, it was all working perfectly. Last <laughs> night, me and John Gibbons did a soft launch for the weekend. That's what happened. So, Liverpool, it's half past I six. I wish it had been softer. <laughs> it's <laughs> half past six, Liverpool. And you just want to get yourself ready. Do your hair, put Kim Kardashian's playlist on. Get yourself ready for the best night out that you can get. Ian Salmon, how's the play going? It's going brilliant. Tonight is going to be one of the greatest nights Liverpool has ever
3: seen. If you happen to be in the corner of Hope Street, I would try to sell people tickets for tonight, but
2: it's sold out. Wait. Oh, what news? What this news. is what you want to hear. Come it sold- to the shipping forecast instead. Uh, uh, oh, is yeah. that not Charles out John? No, absolutely not. Far <laughs> from it, <and> in fact.
1: <laughs> if you can't get
3: in
2: our place, go and see John's bands because they're gorgeous. Uh, Shipbuilders tonight. It is, yeah, yeah. And then... uh, Sunstack Jones, oh. bit of silent sleep, a lot of S's. You've got Melbourne as well. No, not this time. I, I
3: thought Mel was on as well. He's, doing, I he's in that. Chester.
2: Ah, I, I knew I'd seen him. Probably somewhere. playing Telford's or something. And Andy,
1: what are you been up to? Because it feels as though everybody else has got a lot on. You have got some wine upstairs, you were saying. I've been living my life through your eyes <laughs> through, your, through the WhatsApp. I, I felt like I was there last night. I was, uh, yeah. I, I, d- too much. I did
4: feel like I was there. But no, uh, Mum's dad are back tonight, so uh, they're taking the kids. Well, so vi- yeah, me and Emma are having a night in.
1: Video will be the end of karaoke. Listen, coming up, we're going to talk about Jurgen Klopp's <laughs> State of the Union address uh, that he's decided to do today. When he decided to do a press conference, that went on for longer than. Fidel Al- Del Castro's speech and is wrecked with my agenda and schedule for the day uh, we will also be talking to how dare he <laughs> how dare he indeed Phil Neal and John Aldridge they are to come ladies and gentlemen I haven't spoken to them John Gibbons has hello and they are all obviously automatically all his best friends now uh, we also will be speaking to Heather Carroll about what Liverpool ladies are coming up to and we're going to look forward to Rafa Benitez as Newcastle United coming to Anfield there's that there's music there's everything that you need but Jurgen Klopp decided he was going to talk about a lot of different subjects I'll just give you some highlights rotation is not always about resting people he said it's about using the squad to get them to perform making pressure uh, he talked about Coutinho being a dominant player in the game when they weren't at the best it was a good idea to give him the ball but when he didn't play we had to do it differently it's worked well so far uh, talks about Andy Robertson stepping up talks about you can't have 57 points if everything is wrong a lot of things are really positive but I'm not constantly smiling uh, Interesting football projects uh, get lashed out there. Keep the team together and strengthen it gets lashed out there. He's banging on about VAR. He loves the weather. He's on the finances and what's going on there. And hard to know how to interpret the finances. But the club is in a good moment. And if we don't perform, it will be different. He has a little chat about Rafa Benitez. He says that uh, Woodburn and Wijnaldum have been ill for a week or so. It's more than a cold. He's ruling out man flu for Woodburn and Wijnaldum. I've never... Honestly, John, you know, we, 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 we talk a lot about Jürgen, about the concept of Jürgen, and everyone acts like he's very gregarious and he loves a chat. But, we, you know, it, it, it seems quite clear a lot of the press conferences he doesn't really seem to enjoy. Correct. He seems to see them as things he's got to get through. Today's very, very different. It's, it is as though he's sort of gone, you know what, let's get in there and I'm going to boss this for whatever reason.
2: Yeah, maybe he feels like in a good moment he's talking about the team, and maybe he feels like, uh, I think, managers sometimes say things from a certain position of strength, or maybe just didn't have a lot wrong. You know, as well he, he he as like training, he talked about training and how it's affected them and things like that. So maybe he's had a bit of a frustrating week. He's, you know, he wasn't kind of, you know, normally I think he's just itching to get out there. It is, he? and the training, they tend to train at the times that the, the, the team are playing, um, which is, is something quite new, but kind of makes sense if you think about it. So if they were sort of in about five o'clock or so, he might have just thought, well, well I'm here now. I, yeah. might, I might as well kind of do a bit. And he was quite engaging. There was a. He was asked a lot about Coutinho actually, and normally he gets a bit fed up when he's when he's when he's asked the same question a few different times because he want a certain answer. But he but he sort of went with it today, and yeah, seemed in good spirits. Um, I think there's there's something in the Coutinho thing, Andy. From what you've seen from
1: the football team, and it's interesting. I like it when he talks tactically, the manager. I think I suspect he would probably like more tactical questions, and he's taking this Coutinho opportunity as a chance to go with it. You know, he's mentioning Coutinho B having been a dominant player in our game. And I think that's something that you've you've seen. You've seen the no one stepped up to fill his shoes, and I don't mean that as a criticism of them. It feels as though you know the idea of, and I you know I've been as guilty of it as a supporter as anyone else watching Liverpool struggle at times and been thinking to myself, just pass to Coutinho with you because he might just sort it all out.
4: I think the way dominant is interesting uh, in so much as that he was that dominant you couldn't leave him out. You couldn't not include him. Um, and look, Coutinho was developed into a near-world-class, if not world-class player, but I think him not being there... Look, I could say this, and we we could end up ruining Salah. But so far, it seems to have freed other players up and they're expressing themselves a little bit more and it just seems a little bit more cohesive and less reliant on one individual, despite, obviously, Salah having a, an amazing season. It seems to have, have enabled a couple of more players. Strangely enough, Firmino, who originally couldn't play without... It was said couldn't play with her, without his mate. So... Yeah, no, I think it's been interesting. I think I said before, when we had Coutinho, I don't think he's a natural fit necessarily for a a club side. And I think sometimes as well, we got caught in that trap when things aren't. We're we're going well, as you said, give it to Coutinho, give it to Coutinho. And I remember a couple of games where you could see that weighing on Coutinho's head where the first thing you do was cut him from the left and you knew he was going to put it over the bar and
1: not include his teammates. So maybe there's a little bit more shared responsibility now and and it's emboldened them. It is. It, it strikes me, you've got to be really careful with this, Ian, because you can't. what you can't do is decide that you're going to retrospectively say it's all right to sell boss players, and because that, that, that's a ridiculous point of view, and you've got to be really careful. But it is something which strikes me that, you know, you've seen in the past, you, you use the language stepping up, but as I say, it isn't as though there's one player who's stepped up, but it's as though the whole squad's sort of gone, well, all right, he's gone. But this is an opportunity for us to us to show what what, what we can all do, but also to show what, what what we do as a team, and that strikes me as strikes me as interesting because, I, and I want to be really clear about this as well. I'm not saying that Coutinho wasn't a team player; I think he very much was. It's just that you you do sort of, for now at least, and touching all the world it continues. You do you, you can see the the merits in that argument and discussion.
3: Completely, I think it's very much a case of we've gone away from this. As Andy said, no matter how brilliant Salah is at the moment, and Salah at the moment is having a run that is as good as any of our best players ever in one season. But I think we've gone away from this. There is one player who defines this team, and he will be the controlling force in this team. And I think we've we had that moment where we moved Phil back from the forward line into the midfield. And there were moments earlier this season when he came back into the team after his his back injury in August, his unfortunate backing injury at the end of the transfer window. Um, when he came back into the team, it looked like we were building around him, but there were days when the midfield didn't look cohesive because we were building around him. It looked like a two-man midfield with him being one of the four up front. And we played with the two and a four quite a few times since. But we played with it quite a few times since in a better way because it's kind of the four are doing a set job, whereas it felt like and no disrespect to him because he's a brilliant, brilliant footballer. I didn't want to lose him. I loved the lad. But it felt like he was in a role that was completely his own and didn't necessarily relate to the people around him. So I think, once once again, selling boss players is always a bad idea. I would much rather have Phil Coutinho in the squad to use. But where we are now, the squad rotation makes sense. The squad's shape makes sense. The midfield three makes sense. So I think... You can never know, but I think we have actually benefited from it to an extent.
4: I, I think a good example, funnily enough, was the was the game against Newcastle over at St James's Park, where Coutinho scores a really, a really good goal out of nothing. But then it just seemed to everything just seemed to slow down once it once it went to one one. I know we had a few, a few chances and bits, but that frustration kind of crept in a little bit, and it, it it was again as you said, give the ball Coutinho, give the ball, and he can't do it all the time. I think we've replayed that game now without... And I'd rather still have him at Liverpool. Let me just state say that now. I'd rather still have him at Liverpool. But then you wonder how that team reacts if he's not playing that game. It, it, it just seemed like more responsibility elsewhere.
2: I think it's it's funny stepping up, though, because you can talk like "Oh, it's always going to happen and it doesn't necessarily, you know yeah. what I mean? When, when we sold Suarez, no-one was really stepping up. We were just rubbish. And yeah. so I think, like, you, you can... You shouldn't talk like it's inevitable that, oh, when you sell your best players, someone else will step up. Like, quite often they don't. And so I think these players deserve a lot of credit for the stepping up. And I don't think It would have should. been
1: easy to hide and have excuses and all that Yeah, exactly.
2: Stuff. The season could have petered out. That's what we were all worried about. When we were on the on-field wrap, when a lot of people were expressing the concerns about, about selling Coutinho and not... And not st- not replacing and we were talking about you know the, the season might peter out and it might be a oh we'll wait till the summer and see who we get and then we'll, we'll go again next year the players haven't done that and more credit to them These have thought well we're still in the champions league yeah, so let's have a good go with that and we want to finish as high at the table as possible we might not be catching man city but let's see let's see how high we can we can finish and 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 yeah, as I say, credit to them for that. Really, because it does—it's not inevitable. It's not inevitable that someone else will step up. Sometimes, sometimes you know, you just you lose your best player, and and it goes off the boil.
4: But there's there's only a finite number of of, of really good players in the country and in Europe. When I mean, you look at Southampton to a lesser degree now, they'd sell a player, bring another one inside. And they're finally, it's finally biting because they've got rid of so many now. At some
1: point, you can't pull, some up, pull you it can't off again. It. Yeah. So you
4: can't just accept that, oh, well, we'll just bring someone else in because it doesn't always work like that. You look at the, the, the runs we've signed, the, the four plays we've signed over the last couple of years, and for all the knocking we've had of the, 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 whatever the committee is or whoever signs these players... We've got a hell of a record of signing attack attack man that plays.
1: Klopp says uh, other one that's interesting, Ian, and I want to sort of it's worth exploring before we before before we go to the break. Klopp says this is a really interesting football project. Man City deserve to be first. If you can only be happy if you have one more point than them, that would be difficult for any other team in the world at the moment. There's I mean, this is a refrain that the managers, the managers come back, uh, come back with again and again. This idea of of wanting people, wanting the people who, who who love this football club to enjoy the football in a variety of different ways. But it's it's another way of of him articulating it, isn't it? And it, you know, I think the, the the point he's almost trying to make is: well, only one team can win the league, but that doesn't mean everyone else can't, or, or some other sides can't have a lovely time.
3: Yeah, yeah. One, this season is another bizarre anomaly, isn't it? You know, there's you can't see. I hesitate to say this because he will come back to bite me next season. But you can't see City being this easily dominant next season. It rarely
2: happens, does it? I was thinking about this before, Ian. That you, you see, you know, you think about the, the the sides that have that have ran away in the Premier League so to then follow it up. It's actually actually quite a difficult it, it's, thing. It's to a do. very
3: difficult thing. It's. I mean, you know, Barcelona did it.
2: Well, three seasons, four
3: seasons on the run when, when they were actually that imperious. And City are that imperious at the moment. And Guardiola's clearly, you know, he's a fantastic manager with a lot of resources. But that doesn't mean they'll be untouchable next season. As I've said a few times, if Mane doesn't get sent off at the Etihad, that game can be very different. If that game's very different, the next game can be very different and the season can be very different. So you may not be in a position where a team goes unbeaten for the vast majority of the season and is still in a position where we're the only team that's beating them in the league. So if if, if that doesn't happen, it's all those small margins. You can't see them being the same. So if we're building now for next season and we are, we're using this as a base to work on and we're watching some absolutely fabulous football and I know I didn't, because obviously... Um, to push my own play again. I was out at the play last night. Um, so I didn't get in in time to see the Arsenal game. And all I've seen is the goals. And I and, and Jeanette were talking about it. like, you know, City just cut above everybody else. I'm like, well, the goals are fantastic. And the silver goal is great. And, but, you know, Sané's just skinned the right back. And we control Sané. We control City. We didn't have problems with City. We, you know, apart from letting them score two goals that they shouldn't have scored, obviously. But we can challenge City it's up to everybody else to also be able to challenge them to an extent there as well. But we know that aren't they? If we can get consistent and drop the draws next season, then we push them further.
1: And it, it strikes me, John, that there's, that, there's a, it's, the, the managers making it in a really simplistic way I think quite a complicated point and it's a point that we sort of, when you're almost doing the philosophy of football and working out what we're all in it for, you know, you and I have literally written a book about being desperate to win the league mm. and, you know, we, we can be absolutely desperate to win the league and want that more than anything in the world. But, you know, we have to find the ways in which we we enjoy what's there in the meantime and and I think what the, the manager's like he's almost just trying to say you do realise these lads are boss and you should be having a yeah. great time
2: oh, and we should be and I think whatever what happens between now and the end of the season we'll be able to look back in the summer and go well it was a lot of fun to watch Liverpool that season you know you you talk about you seeing your get your holders the, the money you pay and stuff like that well we haven't lost in the league all, all, all year and that was brought up as well uh, in the press conference here and had a had a had a joke about that In fact, he was pleased we were encountering West Brom. I mean, West the West Brom is you know just just is yeah. Swansea's only defeat, isn't it? Yeah, this year, it seems, so. seems kind of more and more ridiculous the more to think about it. But we haven't lost a home game in 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 the league. So if you're a season you get hold of it, you're someone who or a member who goes to a lot of games. You've you've seen a lot of good football at Anfield this season, and you've seen a dominant Liverpool side, and then you know, away from home as well. There's been some brilliant performances too. So it has been a lot of fun and he's right to point that out. Uh,
1: this is the Anfield Rap on Radio City. So we're going to get stuck into all the things that he said later on. But after the break, I think we will be having ourselves a chat uh, with Phil Neal uh, and with John Aldridge about the Forever Reds project set up at Liverpool this season. Welcome back. It is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk. In a minute, John Gibbons is going to be talking uh, to uh, Phil Neal and and John Aldridge. Well, that's a lie. He's already talked to them. I've heard (laughs) it. It's good. Uh, But before then, this is uh, Toto with Africa.
2: Phil Neal at the uh, Forever Reds events. And I've been thinking about that that, that name and how apt it is because there's there's four players here played in slightly different areas. A few of you crossed over, but you've all got that
5: bond of playing for Liverpool that that, that, that never seems to to leave you. No, it doesn't. No, we're still with it. The club still involves us on match days as well. So, uh, uh, But uh, Forever Reds uh, is going on now. With the club getting involved, we're just delighted because the ex-pros uh, and several of us in this room have been chairman um, and we're allowed to do that for two years. John Aldridge, actually, the present chairman, has pushed himself through to a third year because um, no one else felt geared to want it. And so the club itself, uh, um, 125 years, uh, is joining the celebrations by including us and, and giving to local charities. And and we would be delighted um, if we could give to local charities. And we will still be able to do that uh, as a group. So it'll still carry on. And that's what we're grateful for. And it's great to see you all together it felt like a little bit like a dressing
2: room you all sat in a, in a row there and that's what a lot of players always say they you miss but these events I suppose you get that camaraderie back the stories all start and it's that bond again isn't it
5: yeah the press obviously kind of uh, you know there, there was a cross generation from Robbie Fowler where my son played with him and whatever you know kind of all the way through to Cali um, is phenomenal really it is the history of the club uh, and the exciting times Hopefully are ahead for Mr Klopp and his, his gang. Um, the way we prepared and, uh, and probably shocked a few teams over the world, really. And, and we've obviously maintaining our development. We've all, you know, kind of... Mr Klopp got to two finals. He missed them by inches last year. Um, like Bob, um, he went to his second year and everything started to click in. I certainly hope that happens here as well. It was great,
2: the opportunity for kids to ask a few questions. I know one of them, uh, well, some some really good ones, but one of them asked about beating Everton and and you Told a great story about your debut against Everton and trying to imagine a situation that like that now, like a new player walking across Stanley Park
5: with his boots is just it's just unimaginable where you were. It is there, I was, you know, and I thought it was relevant, you know, kind of when the when the Everton uh, and Liverpool thing comes about. Yes, there's two solid games, but you know we played them in the in what was the Milk Cup uh, and had a replay down, you know, kind of years ago. So. It's always been hostile, but, um, you know, you're dying to win that local derby. uh, And hopefully over the years of 10 years I was here, we won more than we lost. But it's a vital game in the season and it's still got to come. And so Mr Klopp will be just as anxious to do well in those type of games.
2: one particular game against Everton, the 5-0 at Goodison. The, the fans still sing about, don't they? Which is unbelievable, you think, back to 1982.
5: Rushy but... only got four, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, no. Um, yeah, it was just... That was a wonderful, wonderful one. Um, they're not normally as as easy as that. Not easy. I, it was easy in, in the scoreline. It was still very difficult to... to to score that amount of goals in a local derby so yeah it is still quite tight they're not all like that (laughs) you remember it I don't want to rough any blue nose up uh, because I was great friends with Howard Kendall uh, and our boys grew up together in a football team
2: (laughs) but Bushy was on fire that day and what a, what a player he must have been to watch from, from right back what and I, play with.
5: Yeah, what I, what I think, I think I just hope that, that I had an influence on him and Ronnie Whelan. They roomed together, but they were two youngsters joining a team and I, I always tell the true story where Joe Fagan gave us the biggest boom, right? He asked Bob Paisley, because Bob was still manager, and we'd lost here to Man City on Boxing Day. And we were 12th in the league going nowhere. And Russian and Whelan had just got into a new team. <laughs> you understand, it's like introducing Kenny Dalglish and, and Graham Sunnis. And Joe Fagan had asked Bob Paisley to speak frankly to each... Anyway, he, speak, he spoke frankly at, at here. Bob had taken his car down to training ground... And basically, Joe wrapped every senior player apart from Russian wheel and he left them out of it. And he said, I know you'll react in the best possible way. And if you do, all is not lost. This is 26th of December, 27th, right? We were in the next day. And he said, if you react in the best possible way, all is not lost. I think you'll do that. I'll leave it with you. The boss is waiting for us down at Melwood. Of the 25 games left, Liverpool won 20, lost 2. One of them was to Swansea City still, <laughs> right? And Drew won, and I won another championship medal, and so did everybody else. I'm Russian wheeling. And now with John Aldridge, John, what does it mean for you to be involved in this, and of course as chairman of, of uh, Forever
6: Eds as well? Yeah, it's just... but lads um, initiated me three years ago, So, uh, but we've been losing a lot of members, you know, uh, be, well, I'm going to say a lot you know, obviously passed away, you know, we're not getting any any younger than any, none of us, um, so we want to keep it going and the club approached us and it makes sense for us to unite hand in hand and, and, and you know, do our best for where they cause locally. Yeah, and it was great to see loads of kids here today asking mm-hmm. questions
2: and I think um, I liked your answers especially because you you Talking about the, for the children that if I look, if I could play for Liverpool and the knocks you had earlier in your career, then,
6: mm. then they could dream of doing that as well. Yeah, th- uh, to be fair, whenever I speak to kids or you know a um, host of for Liverpool, I do tend to tell that story because it gives kids hope. Even even if they're told they're not good at maths or or, or they're not good at English or whatever sports, you prove people wrong. Like I proved Liverpool wrong, you know. You, you, you put it in your mind and uh, use it as a motivational weapon.
2: Yeah. me I mean, Robbie Fowler talked about yeah. the fact that he went away and came back and how he appreciated that much yeah. more. You had to wait even longer, did you? Yeah. Do, do you think that it, it meant even more to you than
6: maybe yeah. th- some of the other lads who get the, 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 the other 18? Yeah, I think so, absolutely, you know, because I, I went right through South Liverpool, fourth, third, second, first. I went in the right way, right vein, you know. Um, and then got, to, got to, to where I wanted to be in the end, and, and I could understand how Robbie, Robbie, what Robbie said was brilliant because when I left, there was no way of me coming back, and then the dream was over, I'd had it, and gone, and you know, you have to move on with life. But for Robbie to get another chance, that must have been massive, yeah. absolutely massive. But hey, I, I, I love me time every, every single second with the club, absolutely.
1: John Aldridge, Phil Neal, and John Givens there. Back over to John. John, you said something before we, we we played that, except that sort of got my attention a little bit, which is you talked about sort of Liverpool being a better neighbour, or maybe more accurately, perhaps at times being perceived as as as, as a better neighbour to the wider world. If you sort of see what I mean, it does seem like they're they're trying to address uh, something at the minute. The club, they're working really, really hard on it. Uh, from 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 what you and I are lucky enough to sort of get to see, and things like this are a part of that.
2: Yeah, definitely, and I think. Um it was interesting, I mentioned kind of Becky Easter before, and it was interesting hearing her perspective, because she was at Liverpool twice, and she said kind of when when she played in the first time, it felt like, you know, that Liverpool Ladies, for example, was a, was a football club that that existed, and then Liverpool Men's Football Club that existed, and they just kind of happened to share the same name, whereas now it just, it feels like they're, they're, they're a lot more connected, and that's good, and it's just generally... Anfield, you forget how big it is, and I know that sounds stupid, but when you go for the football, you're there for the football, and you know, it's it's this big huge stadium, but everyone's kinda of going up. But when you go when they're not playing, you're like, Bloody hell, Anfield's massive. And you go to these schools, and I've done some events in the schools, and you go and it's just this big huge kind of building really that kind of hangs over and you it don't dominates, want it to, doesn't it? It, it does, does dominate, yeah, but yeah. it must
1: dominate psychologically as much as it literally dominates yeah. the sort of the horizon, yeah. the landscape. Yeah,
2: but I mean there's... there's, there's you know the walls are high and things like that, and and you don't want it to seem like you know something that just happens to be there or something kind of exists and kind of you know everything else is literally in its shadow, especially now with the main stand because it's so big. So you want. The, the community around there to kind of feel kind of part of it and, and, and feel connected to it, really. And so, anything like this is is good in my opinion because it's it's more so. You know, the the, the players, the current players, can only do so much, and, and that's understandable. And we want them winning games of football, and that's kind of what everyone wants. So and it's it's good that they can do stuff. But if more and more of the of the former players can be doing events as well, then then that's great. And and the kids loved it. It was boss.
1: OK, it was boss, John Gibbons there. Uh, back after the break, talking about the game against Newcastle with Andy Heaton and Ian Salmon. Uh, before then, I'm gonna have a, I've got a brief chat with Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies and what they've been up to. Uh, this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. Do not go anywhere. Joined now by Mike Nevin. Mike over the phone, though, uh, to discuss his Red Bet specials this week. And the reason why is the cold weather. Mike has found himself a little bit stranded. Uh, so we've, uh, we've stepped in with a phone call to, to, to applaud your puns, to be honest with you, Michael. <laughs> They're getting better and better each week, aren't they? Yeah, working, um, working away on them. But first, I, I just want to talk to you about about the idea. Before we go through them, you know, it's Benitez coming back. It, it, it'll get all that talk. I know you're a man who's got a huge fondness for Rafa. And, you know, I think that there's... Everyone's, I think, quite nicely at peace these days with Benitez. It wasn't always the case, as we know, but it does seem at the minute like that, that it's a ground that we'll be looking forward to seeing him, that will sing his name, that will give him a nice warm round of applause.
7: Yeah, I think so. And, uh, you know, it's obviously not the first time he's been back as well, so... You know, any of the any of the previous tensions will have been uh, been taken away now. And as you said, I think, you know, pe- even people that um, you know became um, of the opinion that it was it was, time, it was time for him to move on in 2010. I think uh, are very warm to him now. Um, at the same time, he's obviously got real loyalists, people like myself, who think that uh, you know he did a brilliant job for for Liverpool uh, and the city of Liverpool. Um, and you know, it's, it's easy to forget the gift of, of ninety six thousand pounds. From his severance paid to the Hillsborough family. so you know a wonderful man. He deserves it. He deserves everything he gets. And uh, I, th- I think he's at, when, when you he's that peace, I, th- I think it's because he's actually found a crowd that love love him as much as we did once. Um, yeah. And that you know that, it was sad that that tower Tower in the in the final couple of six seasons to go, the media really went after him. And I, I, in my opinion, turned a lot of our fans against him. Um now he's he's at a club where. He's being shown an equivalent amount of affection and warmth.
1: Uh, indeed, indeed. So let's let's let, let pun our faces off. Um, Scanton deck. Yeah,
7: Scanton deck.
1: Um, that's <laughs> Liverpool to win without conceding a goal. Liverpool to win to nil.
7: So scant scant goal scoring for uh, for Newcastle. Um, and that's um, well, I suppose that's a fairly likely proposition given that Liverpool are big favourites to win the game. So that that bet works out at uh, eleven to
1: ten. Eleven to ten, excellent. When the boat comes in, Liverpool to win from behind. Yes, indeed. Um, when the boat comes in was
7: a, a lovely um, Friday night uh, drama that was set in the
1: uh,
7: in Newcastle. Um, James Bolam, famous, uh, famous uh, Geordie actor, was, was was in that, and uh, yeah, it was. It was <laughs> that was the first I thought of all week, actually, because I used to. End, it, it's very much part of my childhood. That TV program. So I think it's, it's on YouTube if anyone wants to. Uh, you find it's a real quality piece of uh, TV wear. So when the boat comes in, that's Liverpool to win from behind um, and that's uh, that's
1: priced up at 11-2. Excellent. Geordie Shaw is Liverpool to score four or more, and that's priced at 2-1. to one. The likely lads, another TV reference, Salah and Mane both to score, which is at 4-1, to one. and that feels like, from where I'm sitting, could well be a little bit of value. It strikes me, Mike, that these lads this season, one of the things you've been watching with them is, you know, there's, there's a few times where all the front three have scored, where everyone wants to get in on the act, and if the game goes yeah. a certain way, you almost get the impression they're trying to spread the goals around.
7: Yeah, definitely. Um, I think... Um, I think in the first game of the season at Watford when we drew we, we drew three three the three of them scored um, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken um, yeah but anyway yeah no, that sort of set a template really for for them to all be on the on the on the score sheet and funny enough I mean, I'm sort of mad, mad busy with work at the moment and I'm not getting the chance to perhaps reflect on statistics as much and I've literally lost count of how many goals that, uh, the three of them have scored this season because it just seems to be like an, an avalanche really. Um, and obviously, if you if you were to include the um, the other member of the of the front four, Coutinho, who left uh, just after Christmas, then you know it's it, it, it's an enormous number of goals from uh, from attacking players. Um, we probably still don't score enough goals from from set pieces, and uh, you know our centre halves and full-backs are really on the uh, on, on the score sheet. So maybe that's an area for Liverpool to improve. I think, um, but certainly in terms of those lads, Salah and Mane, both to score. 4-1 I mean, it's like a decent
1: price it does indeed uh, Geordie Riffraffer that's uh, Newcastle to get 5 or more yellow cards that's at 9-2 to two. and you've got the perfect weekend as well you've got Liverpool to win Everton to lose they are the televised game and they're up against uh, Burnley first thing Man United to lose that's 20-1 to one. great weekend Liverpool failed to win Everton failed to win and Everton had an abject away from home and Man United fail to win four to one, Mike. That's uh, I think that's one that you know should be getting people's attention. I'd say four to one for Liverpool to win against Newcastle. Everton to fail to do the business against Burnley, yeah. which they're more than capable of. Although Burnley haven't won a game since the twelfth of December. And Man United to fail to win away at Crystal Palace Monday night, when the crowd's bloods could be up there, and they could do with the result. That does maybe yeah. have a has a bit of charm.
7: It certainly does, and I think, and, and also, you know, just in terms of interest. And at the end of the day, um, having a little wager on on these sorts of things is meant to be fun. Um, so you've got, you know, you, you you have a vested interest in three football matches potentially stretching right through to Monday night. And you know, you can if if Liverpool win and uh, and Everton fail to. Uh, Win their game against Burnley, then you know you've got you've got a good Monday night chat up so watching watching United hopefully get beat.
1: Yeah, and also uh, and also or, or, or even draw. Well, it's a reason for people to watch Burnley Everton, and I think it's really important people watch Burnley Everton because if you ever get frustrated with the football they're that to play and this is what other people are paying yeah. to watch up and down the country. So you know, spend some quality time watch <laughs> Burnley Everton and, and and have a good long think about things. Uh, I'm still scarred yeah, from when yeah. you and me Mike watched Everton versus Crystal Palace in Oslo, and it's 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 like had a profound <laughs> effect on me. Um, and it. Horror- it, it, it <laughs> It literally put me to bed for a couple of hours. Back. Yeah, it was absolutely ridiculous. <laughs> it was painful viewing. Uh, the idea that you go into Goodison Park every week and get that served up, ridiculous. Uh, horrible weekend, Liverpool lose, Everton win, and Man United win. We, we, we won't gloss on that, much on that, other than say no, it's 59-1. to 1. We've talked about
7: that previously, haven't we? That's, that's your sort of Rob gutman past that, there, where you're insuring, basically, against the worst possible weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so yeah, you know, I like I like this week's specials. Uh, they're fun to write, um, and that's very much the essence of it. Uh, you know, if you're having a little bet, then do it with us, and uh, we'll hopefully entertain you with with your Liverpool specials. Just start, you know, in terms of the site in a broader sense, um, lots and lots of new stuff on there. Uh, you can bet on it, whatever you like, in terms of your sport. The Six Nations is starting soon in rugby, and um, there's an ongoing cricket through this. Uh, whilst we're still reeling from the the, the the cold of the beast from the east um, I was watching a bit of Australia play cricket in the sunlit Melbourne on, on TV the other
1: day and just transport you to a better warmer place. It's both the crickets and the weather. Listen, there's loads of stuff on the Redsbet thing, and the the gimmick behind it, as you know, is that losses are shared into Liverpool supporting uh, causes. Uh, 50% of losses uh, go into Liverpool supporting causes, and they're going to start powering through soon, hopefully, as well. Uh, In the meantime, obviously, we want you to gamble only responsibly, and gamble only if you enjoy it. Uh, There is a, a part of the Redsbet site which does refer to responsible gambling, but in the meantime, let me make it absolutely clear what's on there. Online gambling should only be considered as a mode of entertainment, and not solely as a means to generate income uh, and also if you are worried and you find it hard to stop or control gambling as a support team and there's also organizations offer anonymous advice and support gamblersanonymous.org.uk uh, and begambleaware.org are two of them, the ones that you can go to for that do feel free to do that if you feel as though you need to and very much so gamble responsibly thank you very much to mike for joining us we'll get back on now with the rest of the show it is the Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk in a minute or two. I'm just about to speak to Heather Carroll about Liverpool ladies. This is Neil Atkinson. But before then, uh, I just want to talk to you about what we're up to uh, at the Anfield Rap. We've got our our service, our subscription service tour player which previews and reviews games games involving Liverpool, games with huge significance for the Reds, the top four challenge as currently goes on, an insightful comment from supporters of other clubs, Dave Downey was kind enough to come on this week and have a chat to us about the Blues and how miserable they are sorry if you're listening Blues but you know I've just got to deal with facts, uh, loads and loads of stuff, we go into detail in every single game whatever we can, uh, we've had transfer stuff on there as well this week, uh, we look at every single aspect we can of the club and the city so if you're interested in that, it is the Anfield wrap.com forward slash subscribe. Uh, But now I'm going to have a chat with Heather uh, about Liverpool ladies and what they're up to. Joined by Heather Carroll to talk about Liverpool ladies uh, for a few minutes. And the fact that Heather, the thing that's come through the last Bank of Games since you and I, we last had a a chat about Liverpool ladies is they're very much stuck, aren't they, being the best of the rest? To the extent Mm -hmm. to which it's quite clear they're the fourth best team in that division, but they are... Highly unlikely to be able to trouble that top three, and especially the top two. It's 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 a bit awkward for them, really. There's not there's, there's not a lot of skin in the game this season because because they've just bumped into that reality.
0: It's been an interesting run of games since you know the end of January. We've had six games in a couple of weeks in a couple of weeks, and um, we've played you know teams that we should be above in the league. So we've played Sunderland, Bristol, beat them both, but then beat you know, them both
1: well as well. Beat them That's both the point.
0: well as well, yeah, and 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 quite easily as well if you watch the games. And but then when you you look at the games, against we've played. Man City and Arsenal in that time as well and we've been beaten heavily by both of those teams without scoring against them so it's interesting I suppose it's interesting for us to look at it and see where we are actually at, and then you know go on from there.
1: The thing that strikes me and it's you know there is a line that the league table doesn't lie and when you actually look at the league table after the results of these games Liverpool are in this really strange situation aren't they where they've actually not drawn a game all season mm-hmm. they've basically won the games they should win and have just genuinely lost the games to the sides above them that's it that's yeah. the way this has worked there's no there's, there's no artifice there's they're, you know they're, they're not, they don't even look good enough to get a point against those sides but similarly none of the sides who are fifth to tenth look anywhere near good enough to get a point out of Liverpool apart from maybe just Birmingham
0: yeah that's it and we've got Birmingham in a few weeks time so I think that'll be like the next big test for us you know to see where we stand against Birmingham when we played them um, just before Christmas we beat them narrowly you know 1-0 so yeah. that'll be like the next big game now, that's the next league game that we've got after this international Break that we're in at the moment, but it's been like I think it's been like overall a good season for us, you know. So far, we've won loads of games, which you know, yeah. and we've scored loads of goals. So as a football sports, you know, that's what you want to see. And and you know, it's just those three teams above us that we haven't been able to beat.
1: You, you mentioned there, you know, they are, obviously you they did get beat early in the season by Reading, but it's it's mm-hmm. you know more, more of the illustration of the points. You, you mentioned there the goals that are scored when they are winning, they're winning well. There's six nils, there's four ones, there's mm-hmm. five nils. The last couple have scored three in, yeah. This season, Scott's got them as a really, really attacking side. Really, that's one of the things that you know I've, I've noticed from your reports, from what you've been talking about. Who, who in particular stood out?
0: I think Bethany England um, has been standing out, especially since the turn of the year. You know, once there's been like a spot up front, when you know Tash Harden left for Redden, she's moved more central and she scored I think eleven goals now. You know, since January, and that's only in seven games. She scored four against Yeovil. She scored. A double in two games since. You know, she scored against Bristol, she scored against Sunderland, she scored in the Cup twice and she's just all-round impressed and I think she's quite aware, work right off the ball as well. You know, and, and once she's on the ball, she's very direct.
1: Uh, it's also noticeable that the captain's out. Uh, yes. Gemma Bonner finds herself uh, with a bit of a layoff. Who's stepped in for her at the back because, you know, we've we've discussed in the past her qualities as a footballer.
0: Mm-hmm. We've had uh, Amy Turner come back from injury and she's been brilliant. You know, I think given that she was out for like 18 months, a lot of people in and around the women's game were saying you know, will she come back the same player that she was because she was quite a tough tackling player you know I remember when she played for Not Counting she went for Amanda Costa like she wasn't even there but she's come back and then that's the kind of play that she is she has just come back and just thrown herself into it you could see it in the Manchester City game um, you know even though we were beaten heavily you know, I thought she had an impressive performance she only played about 60 to 65 minutes I think but she had Nadim playing like Nadia Nadim in her back pocket you know the Danish international and she just didn't give her any space. She was, like, tight on her, like, the whole game. And she just, usually in the teams like, you, you're fresh, especially up front. And I thought, you know, she just kept her out the game.
1: The other one who's come back from a long-term injury as well is Martha Harris this season. Yes. Uh You yeah. know, she's, I don't think she played at all last season or very very or maybe the first couple and then she got the injury. How's she been getting
0: on? Really good, yeah. Again, same, same as Amy, really. She's just been, you know, back to her similar self. Um, it's a shame, though, because Satie's been out, so... On the flip side, you lose you lose one good player, and then you've got another good player coming back. Once you've got all the defence back and fighting fit, then you know we we'll I think we'll be quite impressive at the back. But Martha's been good, and she also chipped in with a really good goal against Watford as well. Nice little volley from the edge of the box.
1: Um, and right the way through the pitch, there you know discussing other players, the middle of the park was an area where they, it didn't seem there was a ton of continuity uh, mm-hmm. earlier on in the season. Have they settled down there yet?
0: At the moment, you've sort of got Sophie Ingle sitting as your anchor and then you've got of Coombs and Caroline Weir playing off her. But due to Gemma Bonner being out injured and Casey Stoney obviously having retired to go and work for England, yeah uh, has stepped back into defence again now. So we're sort of losing her, but then you've got players like Kate Longhurst who can step up off the bench. Um, and I think she's played a couple of games, you know, when Sophie Ingle has been in defence. So there is cover there, but I think long term, you'll probably want Sophie Ingle back in midfield.
1: They've got, coming up uh, on the 18th of March, next time they play, they've got one of the games against the top side, but they are at home. That Chelsea side, it is an impressive team. Uh, it is a side that, you know, is, it, it sits top of the league, it is unbeaten, it's, it's got a great goal difference. Yeah. But it's a it's a real opportunity, isn't it, for people to to get to watch top quality uh, top quality women's football when Chelsea when Chelsea come to town. and that Liverpool are more than good enough to give them a game. If Chelsea beat yeah. Liverpool and beat them well at home, then it 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 tells you the story as to how good they are there. Aside, it, it, it will one of Europe's best.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think especially you know we've played Chelsea twice already this season. Um, you know we're the lucky ones; you've drawn them twice in the cups now. Uh, so <laughs> we've we've we had them in the Continental Cup, um, and we got beat quite heavily. And you know, we got beat five one in that game, but. In the league game at their place, we only got we only we only got beat one nil. So I suppose it's sort of finding a balance between those two those two games. And also, I think last time that I came on this show, you know, we we spoke to Alex Greenwood about it. And what she said was they, they 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 went into the two games, you know, approaching it differently with the cup game. They went out and attacked and got beat heavily. With the league game, they sat back to try and nick a point. So I suppose going into this next one, maybe they'll be looking at going right. Okay, well, how can we attack, but still. Defend and not concede as many goals. You know it'll be interesting to see. I think the game next week. I'm actually quite looking forward to it. You, you,
1: you mentioned that it's next week. It's on the 18th. 18th uh, yeah. So, uh, so the men's team plays on a Saturday evening at half five. Yeah. Uh, the women's team plays on Saturday. Sorry, on Sunday the 18th. It's a two o'clock kickoff. Yeah. It's worth pointing out as well, isn't it, that it's not gonna be at the Select Security Stadium. You know, we've we've talked a lot in the past about witness uh, and whether or not it does or doesn't have an impact on attendances. Where's this one being played?
0: This one's being played at Prescott Cables. So it'd be nice to get, you know, a few local fans in, um, especially fans, you know, that, that are going to the game on Saturday night or are in Liverpool for the weekend maybe, um, and want to get down and watch the game and support the girls. You know, they've got like a vocal group of fans there, so you know, they'll be singing songs and stuff and there's usually a good atmosphere and you know, you've got you know, young children or anything, bring them along and get them to meet the players after the game. The girls are always happy to sign autographs, you know, and pose for photographs and things like that.
1: It seems like, you know, it's, uh, attendance has been low this season. We were having a chat about it mm-hmm. before. They have been a little bit disappointing. Uh, for for Liverpool ladies, that's not the case right the way up and down the division. So maybe there is a bit of hope here that if, you know, by, if it, it, moving it to Prescott, it might actually become a slightly different sort of setup.
0: Yeah. I mean, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, how many we do get in. And if you do want to bring your family along, you know, it's only £15 for a family ticket on the on the day on the gate. Um, it'd be good to get a nice little crowd and, you know, to support them and, this season I've been disappointed because we've only been getting like an average about four hundred people in, and these girls are full-time footballers and they play good football, you know. So it's 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 exciting to go and watch them.
1: Um, quickly, uh, there's the there's been minor controversy around, and it is, it is minor controversy uh, in terms of the, the great things that go on in the world. I don't feel Neville be made um, be made uh, England ladies uh, manager. Uh, but you were impressed with how they played uh, last night. and so not, not so much just the results, but also the way in which they went about the business.
0: Yeah, you know, they, uh, people were saying the France were poor, but this is a France team that, you know, rated quite highly in the world rankings. They're hosting the World Cup next year. They've got a strong team. And I think England looked like they just wanted to go out and impress against them. I think maybe that's another benefit of a new manager coming in is the players want to impress. But we were three luck going in at half-time and I can't remember ever watching an England women's game where we've looked that positive and that goal-hungry against a big team. Usually it's against the smaller nations that we will just go out and look to score loads and loads of goals against. But usually against the top ten teams, they sit back. That's usually the game plan. Whereas last night, it was actually exciting to watch. It was nice to watch as well, you know, because these girls are talented and... You were getting to see what they could actually do. It was it was really nice to watch. Four one okay. it finished.
1: Four one it finished. On uh, screen
0: was on the pitch. <laughs>
1: <laughs> um, we have therefore Liverpool ladies playing against Chelsea ladies. It is on the 18th of March. It's the cup game.
0: It's cup game. Yes, every cup, quarter final.
1: Um, and all decided on the day. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, uh, it'll, it'll go extra time penalties.
1: If, extra time and penalties. It is a is two o'clock kickoff. It is a Prescott Cables Prescott Cables ground. is not a long walk from Prescott Station as well. So if you want to get a, get get to that, you can do so. And obviously, you probably know how to drive there. Probably better than me. And not drive, to be honest with you. You'll be better at that than I will be. Uh, so you can see on the 18th of March, uh, Liverpool up against Chelsea ladies. Then they've got another couple of games uh, in a run after that. And then we'll get Heather back on to discuss those games, that game against Chelsea. And then the two away games, Birmingham and Yeovil. So we'll speak to Heather after that. Uh, but this is the Anfield Wrap on Radio City Talk. I'm Neil Atkinson, and we'll be back in a second. Always good to speak to Heather. Uh, this is the Anfield Wrap. In a second, we'll be back looking ahead to Newcastle with John Gibbons, with Andy Heaton and with Ian but Before then, these are the strokes, and this is last night. Last night, by the strokes, that's opposite. Uh, Neil Atkinson, John Gibbons, Andy Heaton and Ian Salmon holding a, it all feel, together. Felt
4: a bit left out, you
1: know. I bet you did to know it was... No,
4: Ian had his play to, you know, to push and you
1: mentioned your book again. What have I got? Uh, honestly, did your wine. You've got your wine. Yeah, but I'm not selling that. Uh, not yet. It's uh, time to start brewing. Prince, what, what offers you go. Um, well... Yeah, uh, if you want to text in, if you want to... Uh, if you, if you, a <laughs> uh, signed uh, bottle of wine from, from Andy Heat, From Andy Heaton, that's available for you. Listen, Liverpool, I've got a game against Newcastle at the weekend and we, we were talking in part one about things the manager said in the press conference, he said he likes Rafa Benitez as a person, but we've given enough presence to him it's referred into last time Newcastle came to Anfield. We were 2-0 up, we got back to 2 all. Um... There's something, John, I think, in the conversation around Benitez, um, which is sort of overlooked, which is that since he's come back, we haven't beaten him. Uh, and, you know, it's, it, that includes the time at Chelsea as well, The the fact of the matter is, is this, is that as much as Rafa Benitez loves Liverpool Football Club, he's also absolutely desperate to get one over on us as well. In the way in which he should be, that's the way football's meant to work. You're meant to want to make a point when you come back to places you've been. Uh, it is the way all sport works. The point is, is that Rafa Benitez is more than
2: good enough to do it at any time, any place, anywhere. Yeah, I don't think he necessarily wants to prove a point. I think he just always wants to win. And he's, he's I wrote some of Paddy Power this week saying he's kind of, Maybe the least sentimental person in, in kind of world football, isn't it? There's the brilliant story this week of, of Torres and Marca, where he gets the hatchet ball and everyone signs it, saying "Your boss, well in great goals." And he and he, and he writes, uh, "You gave the ball away eight times today on the match ball," which is like it's just it's just ludicrous, isn't it? And it's do like,
1: you, do you think that
4: was an attempt at humour though? Yeah, but no, it's it, still, it, it feels like, like a,
1: it feels like a Rafa joke. Yeah. <laughs> But like Torres is having that conversation in the dressing room. People going, "Is this a joke? <laughs> this one, this one's a joke, yeah.
2: is it?" he just like he just he just always kind of. That, that's his kind of mindset isn't it and it is a bit of a joke but I don't I mean just, just say well done you know what I mean but he's he's ruthless and he, and he always wants to win and, and that's his sole focus and so he'll be he'll be you know he'll enjoy coming to Anfield but as soon as the game starts he'll be fully focused on it and they're in a, a little bit of form Newcastle as well they, they have it's gone unmentioned and unnoticed in that the, yeah because they've drawn quite a few but they're unbeaten um, they were unbeaten across February and and You know, they got the win against Manchester United, and because they've they've drawn a few games that they maybe should have won, including the one in Bournemouth where they go 2 0 up, um, you know, you kind of, you know, you focus on that really well in the fact of the unbeaten. So they will need some beating this weekend, but luckily the Reds are mustard.
1: The Reds are mustard. I mean, it it does actually remind me a little bit of West Ham, Andy. Before West Ham came, I was was doing shows talking about it going well, the the one win in eight, sorry, only one defeat in the last eight, West Ham, and then Liverpool. I, I remember mustered. that show. Yeah. yeah, it was the one we had last week, and we, yeah. we make we make that point. The only two teams, the last two teams to beat uh, to beat Newcastle in the league, are both called Manchester City, uh, which tells you that you know they're not giving they're not, given, so, they're not given soft points away anywhere really. Chelsea beat them in the cup, and Man City have beaten them in the league. And apart from that, they're actually unbeaten this calendar year. Those are the only two defeats. So we know we're we'll coming up against a side that's going to be well organised and in good nick.
4: Yeah, but they have faced Liverpool this year. I have they, O'Neill? No, um, no I, I, we, we spoke about it the day as a different show. We, I just think if, if any team in this league other the City is suited to, to taking Newcastle apart uh, at the moment, it's us. I think we, we're, we're a different team to the one that played them at Saint James's Park uh, for a variety of reasons. Um, I just think, but <sighs> I don't. I, I can't see them coming and playing the way they did against Manchester United uh, for a variety of reasons. Number, number one, it's not at Saint James's Park. Number two, I don't think they've got the discipline. As, shown in the, as John quite rightly pointed out, I don't think they've got the discipline within them to do that for 90 minutes. You look what happened against Bournemouth. Two of the sloppiest goals you'll see. Um, I think we're, we're probably fitter. I thought their squad's so thin, they're a bit leggy. Um, you know, I know Rafa was training in shorts in the week, but you wonder whether that's the, the commitment from that group's been matched within his own squad. I don't know. I think it's, it goes back to one of your famous... One of the, the most favourite things I've ever heard you say is that managers check off things in their head about points they expect and where they can get one. And we all know how, we all know how stubborn Rafa is. But I think it's one of those games where, as stubborn as he is, if we get one,
1: his players on the pitch,
4: while he might still have that
1: commitment... And discipline.
4: And discipline. I don't think that will necessarily be reflected on the pitch.
1: I think I... I, I... I wonder even whether or not again, and I said it before, West Ham, and we go on and we win four so one. I I wonder whether or not you might just have a situation where. They are basically told that the main job is that discipline, and it, it, not not to say that makes them any more or less likely to, to to win the game, but that you might well see Newcastle, you know, looking at how tight it is down there again, and I keep saying it's this. a ticky box, so to speak. Yeah, Go just just get out of this with yeah. what with the, the least damage that you can, uh, because goal difference is going to, could well be worth a point, and Newcastle is actually pretty good compared to the sides that they're up against.
3: Yeah, there, there are sides I've not been paying paying any attention to at all, to be totally honest. But I do know they're currently two points off the relegation zone. So they could be in that rock and a hard place where, although he may be ticking off and going, okay, well, a point will do us at Liverpool, I will take a point. The fact that it is so tight down there, so tight in the entire bottom half of the table, there could be that need to go for the win. And if they need to go for the win, if they need to push on us, then we will take them apart in the second half as we have been doing to everybody recently. I think, you know, as you said, we were talking the same thing last week about West Ham saying, well, they're disciplined. Moyes has got them playing well. He knows what a dogfight is. They've got some good players. Lazzini and Anosvitch are very good players. Anosvitch was excellent against us. West Ham, I thought, were very good against us. And we put four past them because we can do that at the moment. And we're, we're in a place where our front three... Are going to take you apart.
1: My, my my slight difference on this, John, is almost, and and this this shouldn't be the point, uh, is that the thing that Newcastle haven't got. Yes, they've got Dwight Gayle, who loves a goal against Liverpool, but what they haven't got is they actually haven't got Arnautovic, and they actually haven't got yeah. Lanzini. They haven't got lads who sort of give you a reason to actually try and play a little bit of football. And I, you know, I do wonder that whether, whether or not we will see certainly for an hour a lot of a lot of Newcastle defending their own final third really really deeply really really aggressively.
2: And I think that's how they'll play. Look. I mean, you've got John Drew who's who's played well at Anfield for other teams. He's 50-50 on whether or not you'll start is as he? well. Yeah, yeah I mean, he'll, he'll feel like he's got something to prove as well. He, he got a bit of a a slought of it after after the Bournemouth game for the for the not just the one he missed, but also his was like a tracking. So he, he'll be kind of bumped up and, and, and feel like he's got something to prove if he's if, if he is picked. But and he's he's someone who gives you a punches chance, doesn't he? Because he can just he can just sort of write for one on him. But they're just going to be, I would imagine, you're right. The, they haven't got someone who can just carry it up the pitch for them really and, and, and you know, like like Anatovic was able to do or or even kind of really kind of, depending on who they pick up front, I suppose kind of do a great job of kind of holding up either. So they'll just be trying to stay in the game, just hanging in the game for as long as they can, which, you know, is all the best.
4: Could be an interesting one for um, Van Dijk for me. In so much as if they do in and we are struggling, sometimes I, I feel that we, we kind of lose the temper with ourselves, and we kind of lose the thread of a game and try and force it. Where you've got a fella now who, on previous evidence, it hasn't You can see it slowly developing. Can, t- can tell someone to calm down a little bit, slow it down if it's not necessarily working, or can even speed it up. He be
2: able to play as an extra midfielder exa- as well, exa- and
4: it? push into and push into that space and carry it forward and, and provide that. i provide the threat that maybe we've we've lacked previously as well. So maybe maybe. I, well, I'm convinced. I'm trying to talk myself into going Van Dijk first goal. To be honest, um, well, no, you you can't dismiss that. And look, there's nothing to say that that will happen, but I think it's certainly a possibility and something that he has got within his
1: armoury. I think that there's something in you know there's there's definitely something in that. Ian, uh, in general, you know, to go back to the manager's quotes as we started, we Will burn and Alder ill for a week or so, uh, so I, I don't think we're going to be seeing either of them. Uh, Klein has no rhythm, and he'll need more games to be at his best. I think he yeah. may well be, be, be have one eye on Porto there. Um, Milner got a knock in the last time that hurt a bit but it's not an injury uh, Milner got absolutely battered Jürgen that's what happened to James Mil- uh, Milner was honest, taking
3: timeout. the pass on a half time mark so he yeah. didn't expect to see him second half so uh,
1: yeah. and Henderson is fine uh, Henderson is fine um, so so I think, we could be looking at Henderson playing I will, and Chan is also on nine yellows um, so if you get booked in this one he won't be able to play against United so, so I we're think looking at Henderson I think he will be looking to start Henderson in. And I think that begin you know, if you, if you if you go that he's going to start Henderson, he's presumably going to start uh st- start Robertson, you would think. Yeah. Um who do you expect to have in midfield if Milner is carrying a little bit of something?
3: If Milner's carrying a little bit of something and we've got no Naldum, um, we're beginning to and, and we're saying Chan's on the book and we're beginning to announce options there, aren't we? So it could be, and the balance might not be great for this, but you could be looking at Henderson, um Chamberlain and Lalana because is obviously needing some game time. So that could be... And if Newcastle are going to sit deep, that could be the creativity that we need because we're basically giving ourselves two more attackers. So we're adding two lads to the front three who can push forward and carry the ball to them. So that could... It could be unbalanced, or it could actually be exactly what we need against a team we're going to try and defend.
1: Could actually come to work in our favour. Uh, John, the, the other thing that, that at the minute... I think you're looking at a really settled Liverpool side. I think you know there's there, there's a conversation sort of around right back. There's a conversation um, in few other places. The goalkeeper issue sorted. Uh, the midfield it, it does seem as though he's he's not got favourites there. He's got his front three. Virgil Van Dijk plays. The thing that I think is most interesting between now and next season is is what he does at centre back, and he does appear to be just
2: taking turns with them at the minute. Yeah, very much. So it's difficult to see if he's he's made a decision on that. I would expect he hasn't. I think he's given. Them both every chance and, and maybe he's given Van Dijk the, the choice a little bit maybe say well you know I, I'll I'll give it a good go with both of them who who's you want to play with but it wouldn't surprise me if, he, if he's done a bit of that
3: there's also the wild card because he's already said Gomez's future is sense. centre back yeah, yeah
2: yeah so I mean might see that between now and the end of the season who knows Porto would seem a good good yeah, option for that possibly, yeah, especially po- if clients going kind to of play it's
1: a possibility that you might well see that at Porto uh andy i'm going to i'm going to put a bit of pressure on everyone i want to i want i want to get a correct score line from you you're going first goal virgil uh, and what, what what's your score prediction
4: <sighs> i don't think i'm going to sway from the one that said the other day. was, was it 3-0 or 3-1 it was 3-0 Three, I'm sticking with
1: 3-0 St- Andy sticks with are you three-nil. sticking with yours? Uh, I didn't think I make, made one in the end oh, did? I, did, I, did, I made a 2-0 didn't I where they both come late and I said 2-0 both come three-nil. late both goals come late. Uh, go both goals come late I'm going to go 2-0 both goals coming late I'm going to stick with that one John I was going to say 3-0 as well so I'll go with Andy 3-0 uh, Ian what are your thoughts on this one?
3: I'm going to go with a 3-1 with an
1: inevitable screamer for Shel- from Shelby for them <laughs> uh, John Joe <laughs> maybe if, coming if, off if the bench before we'll putting one on a plate for us as he did at yeah. Swansea uh, I hope he does I, I I hope he runs the gamut uh, which he loves to do John goal landing the uh.
4: <laughs> I just don't be, you know, if he scores, will he just celebrate? Do me a favour. You
1: know, I would I, no yeah, I I would like I, I, well let's just all do that going forward. If we can have a way with the f- wider football and world, score against your former club, celebrate. We're uh, gonna celebrate a Shelby goal. Uh I'm not gonna celebrate a Shelby goal, Only but it's a uh,
3: consolation.
1: I normal will Rafa Benitez uh but then he doesn't celebrate any goal. So you'll be able to see that keep coming forward. Jürgen Klopp very much does. It's a team that he seems to very much like at the minute. Lots and lots of talk today. He's enjoying himself, uh it seems, as Liverpool manager, and we've had a demonstration of that today. It's been part of what the show's been about. Uh, thank you very much though to Phil Neal uh, and to John Aldridge taking the time to talk to John and to Heather. The Carol for letting us know what's been happening with the ladies, Both the gentleman in the room, John Gibbons, Andy Heaton, and Ian Salmon. This has been your Anfield Rap on Radio City Talk this week. Let's ensure that Rafa genuinely has nothing to celebrate as the Reds go marching on.
6: Sports Social Podcast Network.